Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season two, where we're learning from people pursuing no place left that are not getting paid by a ministry or church. Today I'm interviewing Tyler and Sarah. Tyler is an army officer, and Sarah is a wife and mother. Listen after the interview for how to leave a comment, ask a question, or jump in to pursue No Place Left yourself. I'm Tyler Sal. I grew up in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and I've uh, been in the Army for about four and a half years now. I'm Sarah. Tyler and I met about three, a little over three years ago now. Uh, but we ended up meeting out in Hawaii and got married out there. So now I'm just in on this crazy army thing. <laughs> so, fun fact, we met at a four-on-one training out in Hawaii. Uh, nice. Yeah. And so, eight months to the day after meeting, we were married. So Sweet. Now, why didn't they not invite me to the 411 training in Hawaii? I wish I would have gone to that one. <laughs> hey, talk to Troy Cooper about that That's one. That's right. Come on, Troy. That's awesome. That's good. What's been the best part of your guys' week? Yeah, I think we I think we both agree that, that Sundays uh, are really the most encouraging, consistently encouraging for us. I think what we found is just working a job and doing ministry and, and with other people that are working, you know, full-time jobs, that, that Sundays is the only thing that is consistent throughout the week, and, and we're fine with that. I don't know. We just love coming together with the other believers in our church and just hearing what God's doing in their life and just being able to share life together. I don't know, it, it just excites us. Sunday's like our, our church day where we get where we get to train and then we also get trained in the church. Not only is it encouraging to see what people downstream are doing, but people upstream as well. I agree, definitely Sunday mornings. I just love witnessing uh, the growth and excitement in new believers and in an intimate house church environment like we meet in. Uh, you really get to walk beside them in that. And I also just love talking and rejoicing with Tyler after our meetings. I feel so unified in our marriage, being in a team and being able to do that together. So definitely a highlight. That's awesome. Okay, so you hinted at it, but what um, what originally connected you guys to just no place left? Obviously, you already ran into, already mentioned one tool uh, that's often used is the 411, but just tell us a little bit about that backstory. Even if there is anything pre-Hawaii, and then uh, on to kind of right now. How did yeah. that story go? I, I can't tell a partial story. I'm going to tell like a story. <laughs> Sounds so. good. Okay, uh, so you were born. Yep. <laughs> Fast forward to sophomore year of college. Um, nice. That's when I really made Jesus the king of my life. Up until that point, I had gone to church. My dad was a youth pastor, and but I never really surrendered my life to Jesus. Jim McKnight actually came to visit our college and, and connect us with the fellowship down at Fort Benning. And at the time, I was—I had a pretty good plan on what I was going to do. I was going to get a house and invite a bunch of people over, and you know, just really use that as my my ministry. Just having a very open home. About a month later, I was contacted by—I'll uh, I'll call them the M family, just for security reasons—and um, yeah. they asked if I would consider living with them. It really went against my plan, but God just totally laid it on my heart. That was like, "Hey, this is where I want you." And between, after after meeting Jim and before moving in with the M's, uh, my family told me that they were getting a divorce. Uh, my, my mom, my dad, and 
Um, so went through a pretty hard time with that. Anyways, it all culminated um, after I graduated that I came up to Fort Benning a little early. And that's when I got introduced to a group called the Five Niners and, and really no place left. Um, got plugged in with the house church that the M's were leaving, leading, and then actually got to plant a house church at my work for the first time as I shared the gospel and, and got to see Jesus really start to affect my, my oikos. Got to baptize someone for the first time. And I, I don't know, it was, it was a really cool period of my life. Uh, I would say for me, I felt a desire to um, even just go to the nations from a pretty early age. I made Jesus King about age 12, um, but I easily settled into compartmentalizing my life and sharing the gospel got filed into the one day thing, part of my life, (laughs) Um, instead of seeing the need right in front of me. And it wasn't until I ended up in Hawaii in 2014, 2014, my life was not going the way I'd expected, but call them the S family also for security reasons. They began discipling me and that's when I started sharing the gospel more consistently and it wasn't a comfortable thing for me. Uh, Sharing always involved fear and never quite knowing how to present the gospel. Um, but I knew I just needed to be obedient to Jesus in that. And I'm honestly thankful for that season because I think I learned to obey Jesus without it being comfortable for sure. But, um, the S family met Troy Cooper and invited him to train us in Hawaii. And the simple tools that he shared with us were just what I needed. I got super excited. And just like we said, I met Tyler at one of the trainings and the rest is history. (laughs) Tyler, how did you end up in Hawaii at that same time? Was that with the Army yeah. that you were out there? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that was my first duty station. About eight months before Troy made it out to Hawaii, I had moved from Fort Benning to Hawaii. And so I got a text message one day from the M family connecting me with Troy, um, saying, hey, this guy's coming out. And at the time, I had been trying to plant house churches mm-hmm. uh, out there and had not had very much luck. And Walked right in, didn't know anybody. And walked out with a spouse. There you go. Yeah, Boom. Out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to fast forward eight months. Yeah, you know, yeah okay. that's fine. No, it's, <laughs> we're going to uh, plug some, plug a little, uh, yeah, relationship matching at the No Place Left trainings. <laughs> well, now that you're here at Fort Benning, just tell us a little bit what's God doing around you? What do you see him doing both in your, just kind of your life and ministry? You mentioned your church already. I'd love to hear from your perspective what God's doing around you had some pretty exciting things happen. In fact, just this past week, I got to baptize my sister in a bathtub, um, actually in San Antonio. So that was, that was super awesome for us. You know, just, uh, just made it even more impactful because it was family. And then really two, two big stories come to mind when, when I think of what God's doing in our, our Oikast down there at Fort Manning was specifically just our church. And so first guy is, uh, his name is Ty Young. Ty partnered with a couple other soldiers that, uh, um, that he'd known before, and they committed to share the gospel with everybody. And it wasn't just the 50 people that they constantly interact with. Like that, They're like, okay, cool, yeah, we'll do that. But they're like, hey, we're going to do it within three weeks. And these guys went after it. And within the month, they had shared with every single person, including their bosses, everybody. But like some, some very motivated soldiers that they are, they, uh, they didn't stop there. And so they committed to share with their entire company. See, no place left their company, um, which is about 250 people. 
And honestly, God's been doing some crazy things through through Ty and those two guys that, that he partnered with, um, where they've gotten some great opportunities to share with people and just be obedient and train other people and mobilize them into their groups as well. Because they don't have interaction with really all those people on a consistent basis. So they've got to really rely on mobilizing other people. That's been super encouraging to us just to see their obedience. The second story is a guy named Ethan. So um, Ethan started coming to our church in, in August. And within the first two weeks, Ethan had identified that he had never given Jesus all authority in his life. And so not only did he decide to get baptized that week, over the next four months, Ethan shared with his entire platoon at work by himself. So all 50 people. And yeah, and so he went through some he showed some huge perseverances as he just felt alone in that and and really no one else had had partnered with him and so he was super discouraged through that as he tried to plant a church and really no one was interested but he, he remained faithful and so about two weeks ago ethan calls me telling me that he had he couldn't keep quiet and god had performed a complete miracle it was that week and and at a graduation ceremony one of his bosses walks up to Ethan and he goes, Ethan, I want to follow Jesus like you do. Hmm. And I, whoever, whoever you're learning from, I want to learn what, what you're learning as well. And that, that encouragement to Ethan meant more than, you know, the, the past four months that he had persevered uh, made it all worth it. The, the second thing that Jesus did during that, that God did during that week was, Ethan, when he gave Jesus all authority, he was engaged. And so been praying a lot for Ethan's fiance, um, as she would say that, hey, I'm not, I'm not, Jesus isn't the king of my life. And kept putting it off, hey, what's going to happen before we get married? I want to get baptized before we get married. Um, and that week, they actually got into a fight, and then um, he didn't have his phone or anything like that. And God used that conflict to draw her into him. Um, and she committed to make Jesus the king of her life and, and just started eating up the word like crazy. And so after months of praying, it all had clicked in that week. And Ethan, Ethan didn't even get to, wasn't, wasn't even they're like talking her through it, um, which is really cool. And he's actually getting the opportunity to baptize her um, this Sunday. So we're super stoked about that and just all that God's doing in his life. I agree. And it's not just soldiers that we are sharing with and discipling. I also got to share with a young mom, single mom, the splash pad, and I'll keep this short, but she responded very openly to my testimony in the gospel, and we met up. And after our first story, um, of, I went through the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and at the end of that, she said she was ready to give Jesus everything, and so she did and i got to baptize her about a week and a half later and then she faithfully joined us until a few weeks ago she had to move out of the area but um, it's just been exciting to see god work even outside of army life how do you know these guys from your story tyler are these guys all um ethan and the other guys all in your house church or just in the broader like network around fort winning yeah those three guys are all or two guys are both in our house church and so yeah they meet weekly with us. I think it's worth highlighting because sometimes we forget this in the really cool stories, just the the amount of prayer that Ethan had to put in there and just the perseverance. Um, sometimes we like to skip ahead and um, not tell the backstory, but I think it's important to highlight. We don't, it's sometimes we have those long seasons. So that's awesome that he was faithful through that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, 
definitely some hard times were had before we got to celebrate like that. There was some, uh, yeah. some really serious conversations that went went before, and yeah, I was just faithful through it all. It was yeah. yeah, huge victory. Tell me what you guys do. Tell me on the job side, and then I'd love to know how that looks, just how that fits into your regular rhythm of still having Jesus be the king and have um, looking for gospel opportunities and discipling and all of that from there. But just kind of start with what you guys do. Yeah, I'm an army officer. And honestly, I've been pretty spoiled over the past six months because I, I got to do a master's program where I'm just doing nine classes. And so I get to do full-time student and not so much 40 to 50 to 60 hour work week, whatever, yeah. whatever that usually looks like. So it's, it's been, it's allowed me to be very flexible and just spend more time in God's word and, and really deliberately approach my oikos. And I have to be very deliberate with those people that, that God has put in my life. Um, so he's taught me a lot of things there, especially in the, in the realm of mobilizing existing believers to, to really share with, with everybody that they know in their relational network and how to cast vision for them for the lost and, and see them and rejoice with them and, and labor with them and encourage them, even though it, it might not be a weekly house church meeting, just getting to encourage them and, 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 and see a lot of growth in their ability to labor. But really normally, so before that six months, so week, weekdays, I'm up five to 5.30, usually five, and then I'm at work by 6 a.m. Work to at least 5 p.m., uh, sometimes later. And so really what I've realized is that if I don't approach work as my primary mission field, I'm wasting 60 plus hours a week. Um, and so that is just straight down the tubes. And so I've started to be very deliberate in mapping out my oikos and spreading the gospel with sharing the gospel with people at work. Also, it, it's caused me to be very deliberate as far as accountability with um, both up, upstream and downstream. But uh, honestly, those those times, especially with just everybody being busy, busy and trying to match up times is is more looks like more bi-weekly than it is is weekly and then as far as like ministry so we've got usually we've got eight teams during a week which is about an hour um both upstream and downstream so two hours and then um a church where we're being trained and then a church where we're training which is on sunday um which saturdays is really our sabbaths eight teams are accountability teams yeah i'm sorry we, we throw that term around and realize <laughs> that not everybody knows though <laughs> Yeah, what about you, Sarah? Tell us about what you do in your schedule. So before we were married, I worked full time. And so I got to experience what it was like to labor in a work environment. But as soon as we got married, I fully embraced the identity that God has given me as a wife and mother. Um, And I honestly feel most fulfilled by that. And as I read God's word, um, I'm reminded how he values the things that in general our society ridicules. So... Um, I'm learning how to make disciples in that, <laughs> in that, in this new season. And at first, I saw it as a handicap, but I'm really thankful for how my perspective has changed over the last few months. And I, I guess now it has changed in that I see my oikos as the people who stop me as I'm shopping at the store to tell me how cute Mia is, <laughs> or the new girl at the gym that I introduced myself to or another mom at the splash pad, just like I um, shared the story of uh, who's just there watching her kids play. 
man, Tyler and I was, were talking earlier today about how it just really forces me to be very intentional about every interaction I have. And if, but I, if I don't enter those settings with being intentional, then they can easily pass by and uh, we can easily pass by without, um, without me really sharing the gospel or making disciples. And so I will say it's hard as a wife and mother, but it's not impossible. And it's very exciting just to see how God can use you as you're faithful where you go. It's a great call that we need to not worry about what the world thinks. Tell me about, you You mentioned upstream and downstream, and I guess I was missing, it sounded like Sunday is when you meet with kind of the church you're, you're leading, training. When does the other one happen? You mentioned kind of another church meeting going, like where you're getting trained. Tell me tell me about that. Um, the McKnight's actually host a church in their house Sunday on Sunday evenings. evenings for two hours, and that's okay. where we trained in other uh other people that are planning churches in actually in Fort Benning and throughout the army, really. That's where we all meet. So people were running alongside. And then you guys meet with your church that you're training earlier in the day. Is that what I heard? Yeah. It's in, okay. the yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. And That's then cool. our accountability times when we meet one-on-one, that is um, during the week, workout time. Usually, usually just during a lunchtime. It takes about an hour and it's perfect to squeeze in there. And then our accountability teams that we do downstream with people in our church or um, just emerging leaders that we see and so people that are out there laboring being faithful yeah being faithful being a you know and and just our way of loving them you know and going deeper with them and getting to know them better and but also really get deeper with them so what does that what does that invite look like is that just uh, hey you're cool i want to grab lunch with you or is it more intentional of man, I've seen this obedience in you. I'd love to just continue fostering that. Or then it's as far as like, hey, here's the format we're going to use. Like what it, what level of kind of does that invite sound like? Usually the rule of thumb that, that I kind of use is usually the most obedient person in our church is who I try to get an A-team with. Now, if I, like this season where I have a lot more time, you know, if I see any obedience at all, you know, like as these guys are laboring, trying to trying to plant churches, then I'll, I'll, I'll grab more of them. But usually just trying to stick with one. And sometimes that's one-on-one, sometimes that's one. You know, there's three of us in the group. I'll just ask them, hey, can we grab lunch this week and do something we call an A-team? And, and honestly, during our midterm discipleship, that, that, that's, one of the, that's one of the lessons is introducing that, that accountability team. Yeah, we've just got a, we've got a single sheet of paper that it's got, kind of got a format. And so I'll introduce it the first meeting. And I'm a little bit more rigid towards the beginning, so I can kind of model for them what an accountability team kind of looks like but definitely as we're going on through the weeks it becomes less and less formal we kind of use it as a guideline more than an actual format the guideline that we use is really we we care about the person first and so mm-hmm. if he comes in and and he's like we've got an hour worth of you know like marital issues to work through and all that kind of stuff like we'll just spend an hour working through marital issues you know yeah. and, and that's perfectly fine you know we don't even talk about sharing the gospel or or planning churches or anything like that. What would you say right now is maybe the biggest barrier or obstacle you just feel like, whether that's you're facing or just if you think about the work of moving, um, just pushing out broad gospel sowing and simple disciple making and reproducing churches, what, what do you guys think the barrier is that you're running into? I think we've seen a lot of like genuine laboring for soil people, which was really, for me, it was like refreshing because I felt like there's a lot of hard soil that I was hitting for a while. 
And so that, that's not been an issue at all. It's kind of been as they're, they're beginning to labor, just they're, they're persevering. And so I, I think the biggest barrier is just the, the planning of second generation churches right now. And honestly, I, I don't even sit, think it is that big of a problem, honestly. Where I'm sitting right now, it's definitely expect you know the struggle. Just the nature of Fort Benning is it's a very fluid post. It's a training post, and so people are there for maybe six months at a time. That means that not only are laborers turning over every six months, the people that they're you know, discipling or trying to find churches with are turning over every six right. months. Sometimes that's weekly. And and honestly, the the guys in our church are, are, are just young laborers. And, you know, this is this is new for them. And so they're learning a lot. Uh, yeah, definitely not a lack of desire or disobedience. It's just that, that perseverance in the, in the yeah. face of just trials and, and the devil trying to um, discourage them from doing what they know that Jesus has called them to do. Um, I'm reminded, I just read this yesterday. After Paul gets stoned, he says, <laughs> he's, he, is, he and Barnabas, as they're continuing that missionary journey, are reminding people that with much tribulation, they'll, they'll enter the kingdom of God. It's like, well, I guess he has the right to say that after he just got stoned. But even what you said there, that's the, the wording is not like that everybody's going to have that severe of persecution, but there are going to be trials. There's going to be things. So that's a great kind of what you said is a real life application of that. Are there any like really uh, key tools or key key processes that have really been helpful to you as you if you've just jumped into this and lived it out? I think the two biggest things, I don't, I don't know, that God's really been laying on my heart and just made me like the most excited, the two biggest tools is we actually took, so we trained 411 for a, for a long time and we've actually taken it and taken it down to just really training someone how to share the gospel and then helping them identify their oikos and then mm-hmm. mobilizing them. Um, and so we termed it uh, immediate discipleship. So if you've got one meeting with somebody, you know, what would you train them in? And in and, and Fort Benning, it's a very real possibility, you know, like yeah. share the gospel with someone, they're like, hey, I want to follow Jesus, but I have no idea how to share the gospel. You know, I don't know who to share it with. And I don't even know how to read God's word. And I'm only here this weekend. And I'm only here this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it happens all the time. Just a, a tool we've been using is equipping people just to do that. And as they, they leave and go to other posts, we kind of hand them off to other people within the network, which is which is really cool and encouraging. But the reassurance that, hey, we've mobilized them, that they can continue their relationship with Jesus. The second big tool that I, I feel like God's been speaking to me most about just in my time in the Word, so we've been using something called an obey survey. And so at the end of our short-term and mid-term discipleship, and periodically throughout the, the time as a church, we basically do a self-introspection of our our obedience and our and our relationship to what God has called us to do. Just my time in the Word, I, I just found how much how important this is to Jesus. You know, where our our obedience and our following Him, you know, is that is that action. And so there's no like you know any of us coming down hard on each other. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all this like self introspection of like, hey, self evaluation. Yeah. What's been really cool is that as we've identified things that we've been hung up in going back and being able to revisit those revisit those lessons and not only reiterate and retrain but also maybe look at it at a different light so someone's like oh you know god's really been working in my life this way you know and i it really helped when i looked at it you know and and so the church is able to speak into someone else's life you can see growth in yourself too six weeks ago i wasn't doing this at all and now (laughs) Yeah. God's been faithful. Yeah. Yeah. We did one where guys, people in our church were like, man, 
I've only been sharing the gospel, you know, two, three times a week. Some of them were discouraged to that. I got to look at them and be like, guys, you realize like two months ago, you would never share the gospel before. And now you're discouraged because you're only sharing two to three times a week. Like, right. are you kidding me? Like, you know, like, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely, you know, like a righteous discouragement, you know, like right. if there is such a thing, but like, you <laughs> know, like awesome. I just want you guys to be encouraged too. Cause this is, this is awesome. awesome. Yeah. We it's already great. talked about the A-team. I think that's been the number one most healthy and helpful tool for me in challenging me to grow in following Jesus and just to have that weekly or bi-weekly accountability and discipleship. Uh, yeah. It's really transformed my daily abiding in Jesus um, and discipline, which I think is the basis. I mean, I'm sure God, God could use us regardless of our faithfulness, but if we're not abiding and just having that daily discipline ourselves, then we're not going to be very effective for the Lord. That's good. Well, this has been awesome, guys. Anything else that is on your mind or heart to add? Shameless plug. So Sarah actually um, manages the No Place Left Army website, and that's where most of our tools are. So if, you know, I, I think if anyone's listening to this and is like, hey, you know, that sounds really awesome. That's exactly what I need. They can just yeah. go to noplaceleftarmy.net. Click on the uh, lessons and resources tab. You can cool. find all the tools that we use there. No, definitely. I'll put that in the show notes guess I'd just say that I think it's my heart to encourage anyone listening that working a full-time job as the sole provider for your family or um, as a wife and mother doesn't mean that you can't be laboring for the kingdom. In fact, um, I guess we've just seen personally that it puts you right where people are who need yeah. to hear the gospel. And God has entrusted each one of us with those relationships. And it would just be sad if we reached the end of our lives and our excuse was not having time. Reprioritizing and changing your thinking as to what the mission field looks like. Uh, I think we found for, for a while our, our definition of going into the harvest was outside of our normal, mm. uh, our normal lives and the lives that we were living. And so it was an uh, event scheduled into our week instead yeah. of just naturally flowing from what we're doing. And, and as our, our kind of thought processes change, really what we encourage people to do is see no place left their oikos before we see, before we encourage them to enter new fields. Uh, and so being, just like Sarah said, being faithful with what God's given you before we see uh, that greater amount of responsibility. And, If you're not sure what oikos means, you can check out Season 1, Episode 4 of On the Road for a full explanation. If you do know what oikos means, I would challenge us the same way Tyler and Sarah ended. Are we seeking no place left in our own oikos before we seek to enter new fields? If you have any follow-up questions for me or my guests, you can use this number, 321-209-3899. Call or text your question and we'll get an answer back to you. You can check out the show notes for other No Place Left Army-related podcasts. There's a lot to learn from this network laboring in the U.S. Army. If you're looking for training, which as you heard might be a great place to meet your spouse as well, check out noplaceleft.net or use the same number as before, 321-209-3899, and text the word training to get connected to trainers in your area. This is Feeney. Thanks for listening. 
Keep sharing the gospel, making disciples, and reproducing leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.